Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tank. Hey, everybody. Ready to roll. And then also with us today, we got Lorraine McLean. Hello. And then on the fourth mic with us today, we got Dan. Hey, what's up? All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for having us. Hey, (laughs) welcome to you. (laughs) You want to kick us off beer-wise over there, Tank? Kick it. Uh, I had a... Oddtoberfest from Oddside, Oddside Ales on the west side of Michigan. Uh, Oddtoberfest is a Martzen. It's like one of the traditional Oktoberfest brews, I guess, or the traditional. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good representation of that style. Um, this one isn't as sweet as others. I dig that about it. This one goes down smooth. Normally Martzens are on like a little bit of a sweeter side. This one you could taste the sweet, but it's not overpowering, and uh, I enjoy it. Does it linger? A little bit, but do you um, have to? Not, it's it not overpowering. Over? What about you, Dan? What do you got? Well, I started off with a little uh start off with a little Lightning Kugels, Lemon Haze IPA. Good old uh summertime beer. We're in the midst of summer, so it's a good one. But uh, speaking with Tank, Beer Master Flex over here, and since this one's a little on empty, he's gonna do a little razzle dazzle. Reach to his little magic bag that he has. Oh, something a little special. I have no idea what it's going to be. Hit me with it. What do you got, Tank? Right on. 70 plus West Coast IPA. Ooh, if you're uh, under 70, you're a bitch. <laughs> 70 plus. Yeah, Old Nation, man. Uh, you know me. I love the Old Nation brews. On my way back, I stopped in uh, Old Nation. It was awesome. I finally made it to fucking Old Nation. And uh, they weren't letting people inside. <laughs> I, wasn't sm- I wasn't smart enough to call first, but they. what was cool was you could still pick up fresh four packs from them. So I grabbed a couple styles I never had. This is their West Coast IPA style. And, Liam, uh, you're all about that West Coast tonight. Are you Ice Cube? Are you the West Side Connect gang? West West, y'all. Are you guys sharing that? Yeah. Uh, anybody trying to get down on this 70 plus? I'll only go 35. Well, but, I, uh, I brought Mudslide. It's from Kahlua. We didn't even ask you. I needed a sip. <laughs> How was your mudslide? Very tasty. Is a mudslide take you down? So I got this cover crop. It's from North High Brewing Company, and they get their malt and their hops from the Ohio Farm Bureau. It's from the Ohio State. <laughs> it's got the little upside-down beer bottle that Tank taught me. I'm an independent brewer, so... <laughs> I we... love how you keep on just calling it the, it the upside-down beer bottle, not the it-says-independent right on it. I don't do good with words, though, but I see that upside-down beer bottle, and I know you right away. can't see what it says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't beer shop with my reading glasses, okay? I can't see that. I know silhouettes, not letters. 
Well, before we get started, I got to make sure I take the time to thank Six Fo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. And then I want to thank Cancer for letting us use his song in the mid roll. You can follow them both on Instagram, Six Fo. It's spelled F O E. In Cancer, the E is a three. It's Cancer the God. So I want to plug a couple podcasts before we get started, too. We've had an influx of new listeners lately, and a lot of people are listening to our podcast that are, don't listen to a lot of podcasts at all. So if you're into our show, a couple shows that you could check out that are pretty good that you might like. It's DGMH, is Drinks with Great Minds in History. That's by Zach Tobacco. He's been on a couple of our episodes. It's a real good history podcast. And then another one is Partners in Crime by Will, William Crooks. They kind of bullshit about the stories like we do, except they are considerably more sober and put like some actual production value to their show. So it's kind of like this, but if it was with smarter people. Oh, thanks. Oh, you don't want that. <laughs> what makes the show is how stupid we is are. Is it right? funny? I'm street smart, I tell you. <laughs> See, that's what I haven't listened to that one. I mean, I know I have listened to at least a couple of episodes of it, but uh, I've definitely listened to the other one, Zach, to make of the... Uh, Drinks with great minds in history. Yeah, I fucked up his last name. What is it? Uh, Zach Tobacco. Tobacco. I said Tobacco. <laughs> See, he was right. They are way smarter than us. Yeah, oh, was, on that one, he has like actual psychologists and real historians and like he, fe- they, he featured Locke one time. Yeah, yeah. What can I? Abraham Lincoln, the wrestler. When they needed some meathead shit talked about, they're like, "Hey, we got a guy. <laughs> we know a dum dum." Well, we did a little host swap because uh, Zach did one of ours before and shit. Yeah, you mm-hmm. listen to that one. It's he still. Does some drinking, but they are substantially smarter than we are. Aww. I guess Aww, we're that's... so dumb. We'll work Aww. on it, you guys. It's like a kindergarten cop. Do you know anybody that's not smarter than us? I don't know that many people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this kicked off by him not knowing letters but just pictures. So boys have penises, girls have vaginas. <laughs> but yeah, I would check out either of those podcasts, partners. Partners in Crime or DGMH, it'd be a good place to start, especially if you're into this show. Partners in Crime, they do most exclusively gangster, so we get a lot of listeners that listen to the gangster shit, but they're not as into some of the other stuff. So you can listen to them in the meantime to fill in the non-gangster episodes. But if you want whorehouses and pirates, <laughs> then we're your guys. Come here. This is the spot. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're covering today is Victor Lustig. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Lusting. Vicky Lust. <laughs> I like how he said it like he was coming down the aisle at a WWE <laughs> event and shit. <laughs> so we got Victor Lustig, a.k.a. Count Victor, a.k.a. Robert V. Miller. And honestly... His real name right might be Robert V. Miller, but it's it's one way or the other. So yeah, either... but who the fuck wants to be Count Miller? No, Count Lustig is so much that makes him sound like a real vampire. Yeah, Count Victor or Count Bob. So Robert. Yeah, <laughs> Count Bob. Robert V. and the V is for Victor. I would I would hope. What if it's oh not? probably. What if it's for Val? Like, if you're going to change your name, you just go whole hog, switch it up completely. Most of the information about his early life is tough to come by, so that's why I said there's no real proof uh, whether his name was Robert Miller or Victor Lustig, but actually there's no proof that he was ever born or lived at all. Like, he had no birth certificate, no nothing, so... People didn't care about me till I beat on the count. Well, we get to a point where he definitely existed and the information checks out 100%. 
So he was born January 4th, 1890 in Austria-Hungary, which is now known as the Czech Republic. Oh, yeah. Back then, they weren't taking censuses. Censuses? What? Yeah, that's not the even census. A, that's not even a country anymore. Yeah. So if it was, even if they were. Saying, back then, they were counting babies. Like, of course, there wasn't any information. Like, you know how many people probably lived and died they didn't even pay attention to? <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. It still happens today. All over the world. He would tell people he came from a long line of aristocrats raised in castles and that his father was the mayor. But in reality, his parents were poor peasants and he grew up in a small home built of stones. House of stones, castle. I mean, right there. And maybe his parents talked fancy. Loophole, motherfucker. uh, It is a castle. A little baby shitty castle. But I mean, fuck it. If you were like... Just living in a pile of rocks with your shithead parents, I'd be like, uh, make some shit up. I'm not going to tell people this is what's going down. The first one's featured on Tiny Homes. (laughs) He was like the first one to ever do the, like, stereotypical fucking Count Dracula voice. Like, yes, yes, we are all from Castlevania. (laughs) My father is a king in Castlevania. It's like, that's where it started at. I don't think Castlevania is a real place, Victor. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, Robert. You call me Bobby. It's very difficult. Only the strong can survive in Castlevania. Why do you keep on talking about Castlevania, Bob? I don't get it. You talking about castles and shit. You live in a rock pile. As a child, he was described as smart and exceptionally gifted. A lot of his teachers called him brilliant. He was always ahead of all the other kids. Uh, But he was also a constant source of trouble. So since he was a little kid, he was always a hustler. And he moved his way up on the streets from being a panhandler to a pickpocket to a street hustler. One day I will make it all the way to count. He is said to have mastered sleight of hand games and card tricks, including palming, slipping cards from the deck, and dealing from the bottom. By his late teens, it was quoted that he could make a deck of cards do anything but talk. Wow. See, we're making jokes like count like it's a title. That's just a nickname because he knew how to count cards. Right. Kid's good with numbers. <laughs> so his sharp intellect led to him excelling scholastically, and he became fluent in five languages. Despite the fact that he spent all his free time gambling and chasing girls, he was able to earn opportunity to go to university in Paris. Moving on up. Anywhere in your research did it come across which languages he knew? Well, I know he speaks German, French, and English. Okay. Would be three, so I don't know what The else. big three. That's <laughs> what you mean. Probably Czech or Slovak, wherever he's from. I mean, I would, I would hope that would be a <laughs> What the fuck's with this kid? He just speaks French and English. <laughs> Self-taught. Yeah. He just plays cards, takes my money, and says au revoir. What the fuck? <laughs> So he was able to do good in school. I love it. This kid's the fucking Czechoslovakian goodwill hunting. (laughs) It's not your fault. No, man, not you. It's not your fault. Hey, how about those apples that we have to import here because apple trees do not grow? He was able to excel in college and he put in really little effort. He just was always... School camp came real easy to him. Ah, oh, yes, professor. He asked me a question. I give him an answer. Meh. He spent a lot of time chasing girls in Paris. 
At the age of 19, while in Paris, he received a significant two-and-a-half-inch scar across the left side of his face from the jealous boyfriend of a female companion. That is significant. Wow. I've never heard a scar get significant. It really (laughs) matters. There were a lot of scar faces back in the day. But I can just imagine this French dude is just pissed. Just as Yugoslavian comes to town stealing all the girls from all these dudes. Like, what the fuck's this guy's deal? (laughs) He's fucking all our ladies. Get out of here, buddy. (laughs) I shall count all the ladies I have fucked. One girl, two girl, three girl. (laughs) He made the mistake of thinking the French dude was soft and shit. Like, the guy fucking sliced him up. (laughs) What's crazy is uh, the big scar on his face where he came from in Austria-Hungary. If you look at a lot of, like, World War I, the Eastern Europeans, or a lot of the Germans and stuff, a lot of them... The officers and the aristocrats and the people like that, they would have giant scars on their face because they used to duel a lot. It was almost like a sign of being royalty. Like cauliflower ear nowadays. Yeah, kind of like a cauliflower ear thing. (laughs) But way more significant. And and you're meaning, and and we're talking about like pistol dueling, right? Not dueling with like fucking swords and shit? No, they were dueling with swords. Okay, damn, even fucking more (laughs) guys. Wait, they were just out there pistol whipping each other? How would a gunshot result in the scar? Like, like, believe me, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly green when it comes to, to guns. So I remember a point in time when I was told, you know, guns were terribly inaccurate and they weren't powerful and shit. So I, like, I actually, in my mind for a second there, envisioned like that you could duel with some pistols and just end up with cheek scars and shit. So, I, I mean, I, I thought about, I thought, I mean, I mean, the Olympics just passed. I thought about swords and shit, you know, like the badass fencing and shit where you, you're watching them on TV like, fuck, if this shit happened in real life, somebody's going to fucking hospital every day you know what i mean so i could see if some fancy fucking nancy boy back in the day got his juice from his little fucking two inch scar he got away from once when he was 13 and shit and he was parading it out in his pictures like he was you know every day he was catching one but either way i don't fight with swords so that is kind of cool no matter (laughs) if you were a nancy boy from fucking 1895 or whatever and shit (laughs) <laughs> you have taken all of our ladies now we duel but with bb guns okay we do not want to get crazy okay we hit ourselves in head they ping, they bounce off leave you with significant scar <laughs> but i mean it's okay Sorry. we still use guns because we men but uh you know with guns we we're trying to go home tonight you know what i mean that's not good crazy with these firearms, all right? Let's use rusty bullets. Yes. <laughs> so, despite his high intellect and charisma, he had little interest in honest work, and he wanted to travel the world. So, he finishes school, and he takes whatever he had left of the money he was able to hustle up from his side hustles, and he buys a couple nice outfits, a couple t- custom-tailored suits, and a first-class ticket to a luxury ocean liner from Paris to America. I would want to travel the world too. Like he came from a stone hut. He hustled his way, came to Paris, got a cool fucking dual scar or just French dude stabbed him up real quick, humping all these French late. Like, yeah, you go home or you continue moving on. I'd, I'd ease on down that road too. Like, 
fuck you going back home for? Oh, yeah, at this rate, you know, he's trending towards, like, actually mm. living the shit that he used to tell people that it, it was true when he was younger. So, yeah. Hey, back yeah, home, like they found out his dad wasn't really the mayor and stuff. He doesn't want to have to go back to deal with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, he felt like he wanted to get all this clothes and stuff. He seen it as an investment. So, he spent everything he had on his, fir- you know, his first class ticket and his outfits. And he gets on there and really figured, because I need first class, because if I'm a, a get... This whole long-ass trip alone with these people, there's no way I can't play some cards or figure out to get some money out of these people. What he did... Now, over time, he would end up using over 40 aliases and backstories, and he was known to carry like a dozen passports at a time. All on that one boat. <laughs> like, hey, you talked to Steve? Yeah. Wait, he said his name was Doug. No, he was Bobby. No, he's Victor. Like, everybody got a different name. Like, we're on one boat, buddy. Like, everybody got a different name for him. His first kind of persona that he went with and his biggest one that he would stick with over time was count victor so he was uh count victor this rich guy from austria hungary that i mean when you straight go with that name why would you change it his uh his game plan was basically he would just hang out and be smooth and really aloof and just act real important and not fuck with anybody or talk to anybody and shit that is like the dream like doesn't everybody have that game plan (laughs) fake it till you make it i'm just gonna act cool in the corner and not talk to nobody (laughs) Billiards? Uh, I think I've heard of this game. (laughs) (laughs) Then he gets down, hits it like fucking triple rails, hits in the pocket perfectly, sinks the eight ball right off the brick. I don't know, lucky game. He was described as 5'8", 145 pounds. Little baby. He was not the hand-kissing type of bogus count. Instead of theatrical, he was always reserved, dignified, a noble man. This is in an FBI document. He was described as an elegant scoundrel and as elusive as a, as a puff of smoke. Who is this guy, Han Solo? <laughs> was this FBI working on his romance novels? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, cause he, also he was said, very elegant and smooth. His looked, words were like silk as he spoke his many languages. <laughs> as he would come through and tell everyone he was a count. <laughs> but not... But not one of those goofy hand-kissing counts. Oh, no, that wasn't him. He was quiet, dignified, sullen. You're going off the rails of the crazy train. (laughs) Choo-choo. So on his boat, his targets were typically new money Americans. What does he mean? Like, lotto winners? Well, no, just people that went to America and struck it rich and haven't had money for a long time. He's coming from Europe where they got rich people that have been rich for um, yeah, palatial estates and, and yeah. shit. Yeah, that castle money, son. Right. That was funny. All those count jokes we made at the beginning. I forgot like count was like an actual fucking like noble term <laughs> back in the day. So now I feel like a giant dumbass. But anyways, well, this is early. Man. This is only like 1909. There was still counts yep. at this point. Yep. I remember back when count used to mean something. <laughs> so he'd hang out in the first class lounges and decks and get to know people over the course of the trip but he'd never discuss how he made a living he just always say well i don't want to talk about it you know little this little that i have my hand in many pie (laughs) what he would do is over time is he would want to capitalize on like americans love for show business and he would say that he was producing these giant broadway shows talk about you know i do all these successful shows and they're you know being ported across the world and they're coming from paris and 
I just take these first class trips and just roll in those money. You know what I mean? Because I'm just slinging these Broadway shows left and right, but I don't like to talk about it. So that's why I try and play it cool. I don't think he really does Broadway shows because he referred to it as slinging them. <laughs> Something doesn't check out. So then he just mentioned like these huge projects with these big returns, but then he would always turn down like potential investors and blow it off. And then eventually he'd privately offer limited availability before disembarking. He would take their money for their investments and they would swap their information and then he would take all their money and then he'd leave and then he'd get on another ocean liner going back from America to Paris and then do the same thing. Wow. Wow. How long did that last? You'd run into the same people eventually, right? <laughs> You're like, I gotta pick some new cities. I'm well, thinking of the Staten Island Ferry where yeah, you all yeah. go together, most of them come back. He just comes right off the boat, sees him like, hey, Victor, whoop, goes right back on the boat, <laughs> takes off again. Like a cartoon, he hops <laughs> in a lifeboat, starts fucking <laughs> rowing all fast and shit. He would do it for years. Wow. So there wasn't a whole lot of overlap because, you know, a lot of these people, they're coming, they're like moving to America or there's just so many different boats. Like people that were going one way weren't the same people that were going the other way. And he kind of refined his cons depending on which direction he was going or what the situation was. He really liked to go with Count Victor, but he would also go with, you know, like Broadway producers. He would do like a lot of times he'd impersonate a businessman and do like have these giant real estate investments but it was always the same scheme just pretend like he was too cool to talk to you until you needed to know what he was doing so bad that you're giving him ten thousand dollars and he's <laughs> going back to paris yep. so he would neg people into giving him money like i mean if you want to give me your money i can get you more money but i mean whatever don't even give me your money i don't even care you know what i mean but if you're gonna give me money i mean i can get you more money either way my name's uh steve <laughs> you ever paint a fence it's really fun you should try it. here i'll let you try mine <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he'd be on that town soya <laughs> shit i mean his, his whole hustle is all right i'm gonna act real cool Get these people, give me their money, and then just and leave. <laughs> he fucking Jake Pauled. I got your hat. And just took off. Doing this so often, he would eventually start to pay off crew members and you know bartenders and staff on board these cruise ships. Oh, wow, that would make it yeah. easier. So now he's like employing people and shit. Makes sense, man. Well, I mean, eventually, like you said, there's so many people going on and off these boats, the only ones to stay would be the crew members, and eventually be like, some motherfuckers back on this boat again. They're the ones to probably feel, yeah, that's Steve. Like, oh, his name's Doug? Like, no, his name's Bob. Oh, his vi-. Like, they would be the ones to catch on. It's going to be new turnover on the people, you know, yeah. as far as the riders, but yeah, the, the staff is going to be like, oh, this motherfucker is always... Yeah, good observation. He man. lives on this boat. So he did it for about six years. He just did the same scram, robbing rich people and stacking money. And then, I mean, if it works, why move on? So during World War One, most transatlantic travel stopped due to U-boats. So he decided to set up shop in America, and he would travel from city to city working a variety of cons. He kind of took America by storm because he had a much different approach than American common at the time. He referred to his targets as marks, not suckers. And he preferred to carry himself as a gentleman instead of a thug. So, but he's the one that uh, brought over calling him Marx? Or I wonder if that was just like a European thing in general. Right. I feel like 
calling people marks. That's like... This mark-ass booster. Let's get <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> Look at this mark-ass trick. Trick-ass mark. His scams would include fake horse races, bogus real estate investments. He was known to... Wait, these, ain't, <laughs> these aren't horses. These is rabbits. <laughs> the fuck is a fake horse race? <laughs> like, I'm just scamming people on a real horse race, but you do a scam. How do you scam a whole fake horse race? <laughs> you just set up these big fake horse races and take all the bets and all the money and all the advertisements and stuff. And then How everybody the show these... up, you'd just be on, on to the next town with all the money. Fucking A, man. What a fucking genius. Let's try that. That's awesome. <laughs> Throwing horse races, that's for chumps. No, I throw whole fake races. <laughs> In tight situations in business meetings, he was known to fake seizures and heart attacks to get out of tough situations. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, too, because it's at the point of like medical technology where you could probably get away with that shit if you're a good actor. Oh, no, hold on. Oh, my left arm. It gone numb. Oh, no, look at here. Oh, are you, oh, you're still here? Oh, yes, it does. It still hurts. It's still all. Oh, you're still here. Okay. What happened? I thought there was a horse race. Oh, it was the next city over, and you all lost. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Elizabeth, I come for you. <laughs> this is a big one. This is a big one. Sometimes he would pop over the border to Canada to set up scams over there when he was trying to hide out. And uh, one of his big scams that he worked in Canada, he was there with, he had a guy that was like a partner slash sidekick. His nickname was Dapper Don. <laughs> and he was a circus fuck lion yeah, trainer and a trick motorcycle rider. Oh, fucking shit. Dapper Don. <laughs> Dapper. Oh, fucking Dapper Donnies. Motorcycle riding lion taming son of a bitch. <laughs> Dapper Don. He taming lions and he's riding a motorcycle. We're one vowel away from being a motorcycle and motorcycle riding badass. Dapper Dan, Dapper Don. No, I can't pull off Dapper. So they go to Canada and Count Victor, he finds this rich banker and he introduces the guy to his, to Dapper Don, but he says it's his cousin, Emil. And <laughs> he tells him that his cousin can delay telegrams by up to two minutes. And he says, we can use this to take advantage of these horse races. We can find out the results. He'll delay the telegram by two minutes. We could put in the bets. And we'll, we'll win every time. Hey, I don't know about that. That sounds like cheating, eh? That's no good. When we gamble, we gamble on the up and up, eh? Well, the guy's like, well, why don't you do it? And he said, look, we got the system, but we don't have the money. You got a bunch of money. And uh, this Canadian banker says that he doesn't believe him. And he's like, well, look, we'll set up a couple. And he's like, all right, let's see if it works. So he just goes down to the track and does like an old school, just pays off a couple jockeys, does some old school race fixing, and goes back to this banker and picks a winner. And he's like, see, I told you it worked. And the guy says, we'll do another one. So he goes and fixes a couple more races, wins another one. And the guy's like, yeah, fuck, I guess you're right, man. This telegram's working. This can work. We can make some money. So he says, okay, we got this set up. It's going to be 30 grand. This guy's a huge underdog. We're going to cash out and make a shitload of money. The guy says, all right, gives him the 30 grand. And then him and Dapper Don jump in a boat and come back over to America. All right. And just run off with his 30 grand. Banker was never able to do anything because he couldn't really report wire right. fraud. Fuck. You can't call the police on that. That's already happened. 
That's good. Gave him a couple short stacks, then ran him for all his flapjacks. It's a tough one, too, man. Early 1900s, uh, 30 grand. That's a tough one. Another one of his schemes was he had scammed a couple property deeds and some Liberty Bonds. And he was able to take these, these property deeds and Liberty Bonds, and he went to a bank. And he told him, look, I have this as collateral. I'm starting a farm. I'm going to be like a rancher. But I have all this, but I'm not liquid. So I'll put all this up as collateral for like 25 grand, you know, so I can get liquid and get this thing up and running. And the bank says, okay. And they signed the deal. And when they do the swap, he had brought extra matching envelopes and he did a little sleight of hand trick and switched the envelopes and took back his deeds and his Liberty bonds and the money. Wow. Damn. <laughs> so he just. Damn. Wow. See, close up hand magic is important. Don't laugh at those dorks that do little card tricks. They might steal your property. You straight up and your liberty bonds. Stole that shit from the bank, then bounced out. So they didn't check before he walked out the door. No. Sweet. Well, the bank was able to figure it out though. Within you know, at some point, not right off the bat. As soon as they open the envelope, they're not a shady Canadian bank. They they are in the right, so they bring in all the security and stuff, and they actually track down Victor and they arrest him, and they're like, all right. We're going to send you to jail for this. And he tells the bank, well, yeah, but if you do that, once this hits the news, who's going to want to ever come to your bank and invest knowing that you guys are so so bad at what you do that we were able to steal <laughs> so much? Now you're going to throw me in jail and everybody's going to know and you're going to throw your whole business under just to put me in jail. Touche, motherfucker. I am, like, now I am like, dang, like I am amazed at this. Like He just straight up told the bank, like, yes, I mean, you could say I robbed you, but... You want people to know you got robbed by me and a lion tamer? (laughs) (laughs) So they tell him, yeah, you know what? You're right. We're just going to pretend like this didn't happen. You just shut up and we're going to shut up and we're going to drop the charges. See, you're talking about the olden days when you can just rip off people with a piece of paper. How about the old days where some fucking European con man can like strong arm a bank? You're getting caught. Like, now J.P. Morgan Chase and shit will fuck you in the ass if you're late on a fucking mortgage payment. <laughs> this guy's like, hey, you know, I rip you off. Deal with it. Well, he actually said, he actually disagreed. And he said, you know what? I want $1,000 to keep my mouth shut. Stop. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, this guy's my favorite. This guy is my fucking favorite, dude. So... The bank ended up paying him $1,000 to sign a non-disclosure agreement to oh, not talk yeah. about having robbed oh, their bank. They guy. were fucking pissed, too, about like all the board members and shit were like fucking breaking stuff. Once he leaves, they're like, did we just get again? Like, did we just pay him for robbing just, us? What, what just happened there? And then the count walked out of that bank as smooth as he walked into this country. <laughs> walked out with $1,000 in a smooth briefcase. A free man. Like, how many followers does he have where he's like, I'll post it on Yelp. <laughs> you'll you'll yeah. never hear the end of that. Haha, <laughs> 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 fools on you. Now I tell everybody I rob you and you give me a thousand dollars. Haha, nobody like you, stupid man. Is he Russian? No, uh-huh. this Czechoslovakian. I'm Eastern Europe. I grew up in Castle. You shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> his plots and his schemes made him a millionaire. But it also made him a wanted man. So he was wanted in over 40 cities. He'd been arrested dozens of times. Uh, Some cities he was only known as the Scarred. Every time he got arrested, he got paid more money. (laughs) (laughs) 
This guy's so fucked up. He plays Monopoly, go to jail, and the get $200 (laughs) is the same square. Though he was arrested dozens of times, he was always able to avoid jail due to a combination of aliases, smooth talking, and daring escapes. (laughs) On November 3rd, 1919, he married a pretty Kansan named Roberta Norrett. They would have a daughter... And he liked to take his family with him on the road when he was doing the schemes, but he kept them, like, secret off to the side. So wherever they traveled, they'd stay at, like, the Waldorf Hotel or whatever the fanciest hotel was. And since he felt bad that he was always moving around, he would just shower them with lavish gifts, like, all the time. That'll work. The rest of his money he spent on gambling and on his mistress, Billy Mae Scheibel, who was a high-end madam. Wow. He's a cheater face. He used to sometimes put them both up in the same hotel on different floors. Gross. Really gross. <laughs> uh, one time he fucked up and they were right next door to each other. Like, I'm tired. I do not feel like going up and down an elevator all day. It's ridiculous. One time his wife found out and she got mad that he had them both in the same hotel. She divorced him and hit him with a car. Ooh. And then remarried him. And remarried him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, you hit him with a car. It's even. She's like, check well, it out. It's in the Geneva Convention. Maybe it wasn't so bad. Yeah. I missed the gifts. Fucking smooth <laughs> ass motherfucker, man. No, the divorce settlement just wasn't what she thought it was going to be. Oh, this is all legal money. Mm-hmm. I can't take it. Okay, I'm just going to stay. Oh, so I can't stay in the wall door. Okay. Oh, I love you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Fooling. <laughs> Who's counting who? <laughs> <laughs> One of his biggest schemes, he ran it across America, but it was also a big scheme that he ran when he was doing like the transatlantic boating, but it was called the Romanian box. Okay. So you had my attention. <laughs> Now you have my Come here, Billy. He would hand make these wooden boxes with a slit on each side, and he put like a series of complicated cranks and levers and gears and stuff inside. And then, you know, he'd do the old, old oh, I don't want to talk about how I make all this money. I'm just super fancy. And then every once in a while, he'd pull somebody off to the side and be like, look, I don't, I don't tell anybody, but I got this box, right? And it duplicates money. Perfect. <laughs> and then he'd show them. He said... He said it was built off radium technology. He said he invented it, and it uses radium. <laughs> you know, like what goes in money. <laughs> radium. <laughs> you know, what money's made of. How do you think it get green? Think about it. It's radium. Like fucking E.T. when they're just like, new microchip technology, and everybody's like, microchip. <laughs> How the fuck does this guy, like, you think he just gets high as hell? He's like, okay, listen. <laughs> I bet you. That like it's part of his gambling. Right. He gambles other rich people. Okay, I bet you fifty thousand dollars I convince somebody. I make a little box, little dumb dumb box, little crank. You crank T T T T T it's jack and box, okay? But you tell him it has radium in it and it make money. I bet I sell one. I bet I sell two dozen. Like how do you even think about it? Like ah, these little schemes of getting loans and ripping people off. I'm going to make a box. Look, I wish I just had a donation box where people just put money in it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or his wife was like, one. you know what? I wish I just had a box. I can just make my, you know, I can make you one of those. <laughs> do you have radium? <laughs> so what do you do is he put paper in there and then he'd use a sleight of hand to sneak a couple hundreds in there and then crank the thing. And then he'd always say it takes six hours because the radium, you know, and then, <laughs> so and then while they're waiting after six hours, he'd crank it and bam, the hundred would come out and you got your hundred and you got the new hundred. It was a fucking easy bake oven. 
he would take them to the bank, you know, and be like, go ahead and deposit it. Give it to the bank. And they put it in the bank. And people would be like, dude, it makes real fucking money. And <laughs> if it was an easy bank, it would ding. Ding, money done. Ooh, use gloves. It's hot. People would see it and they'd be so amazed. And they'd be like, dude, I got to buy it. And he'd be like, no, this is, this is how I'm rich. I can't sell it. And they would keep offering him more and more and more until eventually he'd get the price up so high. He would sell them from between... 15 to 40, depending on, you know, supply and demand or whatever. <laughs> Selling the boxes? Yeah. So, well, he would pretend <laughs> like he didn't want to sell the boxes, but then at some point he'd be like, look. I love this. His whole game plan is, no, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. You want to buy? I don't know if I want to sell. Uh, maybe. Okay. Man, I guess I could. Uh. I guess. Like, it's so fucking. Is that like, it? And it's what so did, beautiful. Did you say it was called the Romanian box? Romanian. Romanian? Yeah, with a U. So this one on the left is actually one of Count Victor's Romanian boxes. The one on the right is just kind of a like a mock-up of the concept of a Romanian box. Yeah, that one wouldn't work at all. Well, he'd always leave two hundreds in it, so he knew that it gave him at least a minimum of twelve hours to get as far away as he could. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it came with a countdown clock. Well, it'd actually be eighteen, right? So the first two would work, and then the third one doesn't, and then maybe you just try it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> right the again, next thing you know, so now like, he's you know yeah. he's fucking this motherfucker's in Nebraska. He's on the fucking boat somewhere. That's for <laughs> goddamn sure, right? Yes, hello, this comes Victor. Oh, your box no work? Um, did you check radium? Oh, there's no radium in the- Okay, that's your problem. Okay, come down to warehouse. I'm not going to be there. Uh, Dapper Don should be there. You know, I have business trip right now. But check radium. Everything okay? Bye-bye. Did your salesman forget to tell you about the radium refills? <laughs> One of the most noted examples was a Texas sheriff that he ripped off. This Texas sheriff bought a box, and once he realized it was a fake, he tracked Victor across America, all the way back to Chicago. I don't trust that sheriff to keep the justice. This man's dumb enough. Like You were trying to make fake money. The ranger eventually catches him, and uh, he's like, look, you've sold me this box, and it doesn't work. And Victor's like, dude, let me see. I'll show you. Let me see. (laughs) And uh, he uses a sleight of hand, slips 100 in there. Pops it out and busts out a hundred, and he said, "See, you just don't know how to work the machine. You chase me all the way over to Chicago. You can't use the machine right. Give me my machine back. Here's your fucking thirty thousand dollars. Leave me alone." So he takes his oh, box back. At least wow. he gave him back his money. I thought for sure he'd be like, "No, you can't work. You're not worthy of me. Give me back the machine. You don't get it, stupid man. This thing worked fine. Good day to you." I thought he was just gonna skirt off and not even give him his money. When the sheriff got back to Texas, he later found out he was given counterfeit money. He's like the sheriff from fucking Dukes of Hazard and shit. Yeah. He's like fucking chasing his tail around the fucking country with all this fucking well, counterfeit bullshit. Well, those dapper boys did it again. Man, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a sleazeball motherfucker to be able to sneak his way into all this Dude, cash from people. But that's some fucking genius methods. That's for sure. I mean, really, all his scams. They're fantastic. Well, the bank one was kind of like that was the first like straight up just illegal. Like, yeah, you straight just counterfeited and ripped off. But, but all the rest of them just sounds like he just hustled people that were dumb enough to believe him. If you bought a box thinking it had uranium or radium and was going to give you free money like you're a fucking idiot 
I don't feel bad for you. Especially 30 grand. That, that cop's like, ha at least I got my money back. Hell yeah, talk about some fucking short-lived celebrations. Like, I picture him, like, shooting guns out the window, like, I got my money back. <laughs> like, they're both, like, some short-lived-ass celebrations. It's fun, motherfucking... Anyways. You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you always lose faith in your stories. Ah, <laughs> you're right. Oh, you're like, anyways, whatever. Yeah, man. I it ain't funny, you know, stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute.
All right, we're back. I got this drink for us to try out. Is that uh, is that some kind of uh, chocolate liqueur and mm. whiskey? Almond. You're very close. Oh, okay. It's called a French Connection, and it's ooh, call me Gene Hackman. <laughs> That's what it's named after. It's named after the Gene Hackman movie. All right. It's cognac and amaretto. Mm. So I specifically use Cavassier and Di Sirona. So it's a two-ingredient cocktail, and I should have looked it up, but you guys can Google it. But, like, something in the, the flavors where the flavors that contradict each other or that cancel each other out, it leaves, like, the nuttiness of the amaretto with, like, the fruitiness of the brandy. So just the two ingredients get a lot of flavor out of it because sure. of just the, the compound of it. Taste it. Nuts and yeah. fruit. It's a classic duo. It's fucking delicious, man. Good job on that one. Yeah. You just whipped that up on the break and shit. That's fucking good job because I would have probably fucked that up somehow. Well, it's kind of my new drink. I drink them around the house. All right. So I can uh, whip one up real quick. No, I could dig that because, I mean, it's it's sweet. It's not, you know, it's not overpowering sweet or nothing. So, I mean, it goes down easy. You still get the taste of both the ingredients, you know what I mean? Well, I think you said on one of the episodes one time when we had, like, the old-fashioned, you know, there's one way to do it where you can either try and hide the taste of the liquor or you can showcase it. And I think it kind of showcases the taste. It's for sure a liquor cocktail, but, you know, it's got some uh, complexities. Word. That's my take on it. Do you love it? I I love it. I love it. No, it really is. It's good. For it to be, like, two different, like, liquors and shit, like, it's good. It goes down smooth. Everything that Tank said, not overpowering, <laughs> all, of the, all of the words. We'll go ahead and get started. Now, we left off, Victor had made himself a millionaire running schemes and moving his family from city to city across America. But by 1925, he had bigger schemes in mind, and he decided to return to Paris. Wait, bigger than a radium box that makes money? <laughs> We're talking that big? How do you get bigger than that? While he's in Paris, he... Uh, trying to come up with some scams and he reads an article about the eiffel tower so the eiffel tower was originally built in 1889 as the gateway to the world's fair and it was originally only supposed to stand for 20 years when they put it up they said this won't last yeah well they just said it's, it's this gateway for this thing so it's going to be you know this big gateway and we're gonna have this big world's fair and it's like a 20-year project and uh it fooled you <laughs> So now it's 1925. Like we think of the Eiffel Tower now, we just think of like it's this mecca of Paris and it's what we think of. But at the time, that was still fairly new and it was supposed to have been gone. And it's big and it's metal, so it takes a lot of upkeep. So it was getting expensive, you know, because it rusts Mm. and stuff like that. So like, you know, a lot of the older people are like, for one, it's ugly. It's in the middle of Paris. You know, we got this giant fucking stupid thing. and, uh, And then it costs a ton of money to keep it up. So there's this big debate about what they're going to do with this thing. It's not supposed to be up no more. They were able to use it to like kind of to send like radio signal or something using radium. A um, radium right. tower. It's just uh, a big ass antenna. But uh, that was kind of the only thing that was keeping it going. The fair is over. What do you want to do with this thing? I don't know. Hook a radio to it. Oh, and note this thing. The, the architectural style didn't match the rest of Paris. I just love that all the locals are like that big ugly thing. Everybody hates that thing. It's just an eyesore. Now they slip sparkly lights on it. It is just when you buy a house, it's just got like that old shitty antenna that's on the roof. Nobody's bothered to take down because it'd be a pain in the ass to take it down and shit. Now when you think, when you say Paris, that's what you think of. 
I think of the Louvre because I am sophisticated and I love art. So he does a shitload of research on the uh, Eiffel Tower and all the rules and the contracts and the situation. And, uh, you know, he goes to like a lot of these grassroots operations and meetings, get to feel for like the public concept of what's going on with the Eiffel Tower. Dude, if he swindles his way into owning the Eiffel Tower <laughs> for like no money, this guy's my hero. Well, we'll pay you to take it. He has one of his buddies forge some government paperwork and credentials as a local government deputy director. And he reaches out to five of the most prestigious scrap metal dealers in Paris to set up a meeting at a fancy hotel. <laughs> he brings in all these guys and he tells them that the French government's going to scrap the Eiffel Tower. We're going to sell it and we need to sell it for scrap metal. So we just need someone to take it down and we're reaching out to scrappers because you get the metal for it. So we need to take your bids on what you would have cost for this. Oh, you know, so 10, he, he's posing as the guy in charge to get rid of it? Yeah, of the Eiffel Tower. Genius. And he said, uh, <laughs> fucking genius. He's, look, a bitch. he's looking to scrap 10,000 tons of metal. But he also said, because all the controversy, you know, everything's wild out in the streets, we're kind of keeping it on the down low. So we're kind of doing this bidding process, you know, over here. I'm an official guy, you know what I mean? Here's my credentials and shit. Hey, I'm an official guy. Look at my uh, have name tag. Look at I know what I'm doing. My name tag. I'm official. So he goes through this big presentation. Some of the guys are interested. Some of them aren't. But at the end of the day, the whole presentation was just to spend a day with these guys, right? He hangs out with him for a day and he finds his mark. It was a guy named Andre Poisson. I don't know how you say that. A French guy named Andre. <laughs> he was actually the guy with the smallest operation. He was the youngest guy. He He's was... working on a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, me and my brother, we take down some things. You know, you got a fridge, a washer. But I'm trying to get down on this tower thing. I think it's going to take a lot of trips. But I got a big pickup at school. He seemed a bit over his head, but he still had a big operation. You know what I mean? And he thought, you know what? This is probably the best guy. So Count Victor meets up with Andre and he tells him, he's like, look, you're just like me. You know, I'm a low government worker. You know what I mean? You're this hardworking scrapping guy. And uh, all these guys are going to come blow you out of the water with the bids. And I know how it is. And look, I'm going to be honest. I'm just trying to cash out and get away from this shitty job and uh, go, go live with my family. So you throw me a little something on the side. And I can make sure that I get your bid selected because I get to pick the bid. They're going to outbid you. But if you give me 70 grand, I can make sure we take your bid. So Andre's like, this is the bid I need. Like, this is going to change my company. I'm going to get the biggest bid, bid in fucking French history. This is like a big government contract. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. So he pays him the 70 grand. They signed a deal. He accepts his bid. He pays for his tons of scrap metal. So we cash and, out the bid? Yeah. He cash out, he gets it one of seventy grand in bribe, 70. and uh, wow. he goes and hides out in this carefully elaborate plot that he had to get out of there. So he like went and grabbed a secret fucking passport and went to Austria and checked his family in in a different name and laid low and had like different levels of identity protection. He had this planned out for for a long time, like he had his perfect back plan. This was gonna be his big lick, and he goes there in Austria and he's waiting. And he doesn't hear anything for a while, so eventually. He starts getting like French, you know, newspapers and shit. And he starts reading up and he still doesn't hear anything. So after a couple months, he starts trying to check around. And basically what happened was Andre was so embarrassed <laughs> that when he showed up at the government building to claim the Eiffel Tower and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
Nothing. He just nothing said out of nothing and didn't tell anybody and went back and just folded his business and didn't tell anybody that he fucking got oh, fucked over damn. trying to buy the Eiffel Tower. Nothing to see here. You know what? <laughs> like, I feel bad. That's why I was quiet as you were saying that because I was laughing at all these people being ripped off, but all of us are like blue collar guys and stuff. He's like a businessman. He thought this is his chance and. We're from Detroit, and there's a lot of city people that do that whole pay-to-play, like you buy out contracts, like it's like corrupt shit. And the fact that he was getting ripped off, I just felt bad so much. But now it's like, he's the only one that was so smart, was like, oh, yeah, why the fuck did I think I was going to scrap the Eiffel Tower? What the fuck? He's that dude with the fucking money box. He, he's what that sheriff should have been like, no, dummy, you bought a fucking box you thought was going to give you money. You're an idiot. The shit that washed over his face in that moment when he walks up, and not even anger, but the realization of, I thought I was going to scrap the Eiffel fucking tower. God damn it. Like that it wasn't moment the where you Eiffel just know. fucking tower then. It was just. Yeah, but. I an mean, eyesore. I, yeah, but it still kind of was, because at that point it was like 30 years old. To yep. just, still at that moment, just realize that. Like, it just comes washing over you. Like, yeah, I'm here to scrap this. And they're like, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, just, what I'm did here, he say? I'm here to scrap this. Dude, get back in line. We're getting tickets for people to go up there. Like, and move your you? truck, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you can't park here. You can't park. Like, that just <laughs> fucking sucks. And then I love fucking Count Victor's like, eh, did they see me? He's that dude that's faking asleep, but then, like, keeps on opening his eyes to look. Like, do they think I'm sleeping? Well, since he made all these, like, in-depth getaway plans and everything went off smooth, and he really didn't have to do anything, but he'd already put anything in place, he went back to Paris and did it again. The same thing? Yeah. To the nice. same group of guys? No, a different du- a group of dudes. Now, these guys, he actually didn't get to cash out because uh, he made the deal and sold it again. But before he could cash out, that guy thought something was fishy and told. You think? That's what? fucking awesome. I hope there was a couple of the same guys, though. We're in the room. I really hope I get the contract this time. <laughs> this time, I hope it's mine. The last time, somebody else got it. I don't know what happened. I must have just fell through or something. I don't know what happened, but... This time, I hope I get it. (laughs) That's fucking ridiculous. He went back and did the same thing. So, one of his nicknames, I didn't put it in the aliases, because it would kind of, you know, Like, Andre should have, like, maybe not gone to the cops, but at least spread it throughout the little scrapper community. Don't buy anything from Count Victor. Yeah. (laughs) Like, nobody heard anything from Andre? (laughs) Motherfucking didn't tell anybody anything? But yeah, so that that time he didn't, even though he wasn't able to cash out, he had already had to get away in place. So he took his money and his family and moved back to Chicago. <laughs> He's like, ah, fuck the extra money. I did this one just for shits and gigs, just to see if I could do it. I, oh, yeah. already, I already had the plan in place either way. This was just for fun. <laughs> oh yeah, but one of his AKAs is uh, the man that sold the Eiffel Tower twice. <laughs> Two times. Is Dapper Don still... What happened to Dapper Don? Uh, Dapper Don and him, they worked like as partners on and off quite a bit, so... You can't hold Dapper Don in a corner, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, he's the circus here... don't run, him, run itself. Yeah. And shit. When he's got to go chase that lion's tail, he hops on that motorcycle <laughs> and heads on down that road. <laughs> you can't hold Dapper Don down. He's an adventurer. 
He gets in these little schemes for the fuck of it, for the thrill of the game. But when he needs that adrenaline, he's got to get in the cage with them lions. He can't hold them back. <laughs> Speaking of jumping in the cage with lions, when Count Victor gets to Chicago, he starts making a name for himself, and eventually he ends up establishing a meeting between him and Chicago kingpin Al Capone. Oh, don't hey, be ripping off the wrong dudes. Ooh, does he has he heard of him before? Yeah, he knows who he is. I mean, he works in Chicago. We know who he is. He's we've, very familiar. We've heard of him here before. Every now and then. He's like Kevin Bacon of our podcast. They're always six <laughs> degrees away from Al Capone. All, all the way from the Czech Republic. Dude, Al still fucking dips his toe in there somehow. If he tries to sell Al Capone a fucking money box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he sits down with Al Capone and he tells him about this foolproof investment scam he's got going on. He tells him that for $50,000 he can double his money. Which Capone agrees to. Capone and him hit it off. Capone digs him. Likes doing business with him. So he gives him 50 grand. And uh, they set up this deal. Is this where the story ends? <laughs> <laughs> and nobody saw him again. <laughs> so the first thing Count Victor does is he takes Al Capone's money. And he puts it off to the side for safekeeping. And then he comes back two months later. And he reaches out to Al Capone. And he uh, sets up a sit down and says, hey. So the whole thing fell through. I got fucked. And uh, I lost everything. But I made sure I cover your 50 grand out of my end. And uh, the investment's done and all the money's gone. But I got you your 50 grand. Al Capone said that Count Victor was one of the best guys that he ever did business with. And appreciated being able to do business with real men. And didn't want to leave him assed out. So threw him $5,000 for for making making sure he did business like a man. Wow. So he tricked him. Yeah, see, that's what you gotta appreciate his schemes. They really do like grow up and down. And he knew he couldn't straight up rip off Al Capone. So he's like, you know what? Still got your money, Al. You don't gotta kill me. Still got it. But uh, you know, I lost it and just did a pity party. Got, no, got Dapper party Dan, paid. hear me out. Hear me out. Uh... <laughs> I bet you five thousand dollars. I get Al Capone to give me $5,000. As the Great Depression hits in the early 30s, all his scams dry up because it's all inv- it all involves people with a bunch of cash on hand trying to vest, and all of a sudden money's gone. All of my marks have killed themselves. <laughs> he ends up setting up a business relationship with a chemist and an engraver, both from different states, and they designed a foolproof counterfeit system where the engraver made the plates and the chemist made the chemical compound to come up with perfect counterfeit dollars. See, at first I was like, a chemist and an engraver, and then immediately it clicked like, yeah, this dude's a counterfeiter, okay. He's going to make a real box that does it. All right. (laughs) They made the most foolproof counterfeit money in American history. It took the, of today? It took the counterfeiter and engraver forever to explain. like, so you tell me, it doesn't take radium. You don't do this in a box? Okay, this is crazy, but I believe you. They were able to distribute thousands of dollars a week for years. So at one point, they had put so much counterfeit money into the system, the Treasury Department became worried it was going to set off the U.S. economy. Damn. It's like Genghis Khan and his children. Like, they just threw so many in the system. It's like, well, fuck, we've all probably had some counterfeit children. We can't help it. (laughs) It's crazy how the government really does follow organized crime, because, I mean, didn't we just get one of these fucking 
economy influencing influxes of cash, you know, the last yeah. fucking year and a half. So he was so smooth that even once the Treasury Department, the federal government got involved, they couldn't catch him. So they couldn't figure it out. This motherfucker's they, Frank Abagnale. They, they knew there was a problem, but they just couldn't fucking get to the bottom of it. Until over time, he eventually starts having an affair with his partner, the chemist, young girlfriend. So he had this like really young, pretty girlfriend. And uh, he starts messing around with her. And then his mistress, Billy May, found out that... now she's mad. She's still in the picture and shit. Yeah, He's not been transcontinental thinking. and back and shit. She's just waiting for him. I'll give him grip for having, like, a mistress. He is very faithful to his mistress. Like, for real, him and his wife had a divorce and everything over it. She's like, I'm gonna hit you with this car, but you better leave her. No, I'm going to stick with her forever. It's... Forever. I cannot get rid of them. They, I cheat on them. I, they get divorced. We still, they, they, they come back. <laughs> the ladies they love me. Eh, I tell you. No, that's crazy though. He's still with Billy. How many? This is like decades he's been with her, huh? Yeah, about a decade at least. That's what he did. He does. He did it just like the scams at the beginning of the episode. He's like, stay with me. Don't stay with me. It's up to you. <laughs> yeah. We're Billy, our best friends now. They're still, both of them are still waiting to meet the fucking king and queen of uh, Rubblevania or where the fuck he's, you know, he was lying. <laughs> Rubblevania. So when Billy May found out he was cheating, she wasn't t- dealing with it. And uh, she went to the FBI and reported him. And told him <laughs> what? I, Billy May has standards. <laughs> what? Don't you Mother. cheat on the, don't you cheat on the mistress. Fuck you cheat on the wife, but not the mistress. No. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. His side chick that he, I just got done saying that he's been with her, he cheated on his side chick and she <laughs> snitched. That's how this fucking God Among Men gets taken down? This dude that's ripped off Banks, the mob, the fucking law, everyone, he gets taken down? He's had this bitch in the Wardorf in the suite this entire fucking time. And he cheats on her? This is... God damn. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I thought maybe the chemist would get pissed and like burn some shit up. Like something crazy would happen with that. No, this bitch snitches on him. After all this shit, he gets away with. The chemist is like, fuck it, man. I don't want this gravy train to go away. The the, yeah. the scorned lovers like, fuck that. We're burning this shit to the fucking ground. I'm going straight to the FBI. Salt the earth. Even you, know, that new, you know that new bureau that the, it's got all the juice? I'm heading straight for them motherfuckers. For, like, even his wife ain't snitching. And she's the one he's cheating on. Like, you're right. the side yeah. chick. Like, his the wa- fuck? I know his wife was from Kansas, right? But I'm I'm still going to do the... What are you doing, Billy? It's... Sorry. <laughs> No, uh, I like it. I can't do a. I can't do a. No, you did it. You you no. done did it. I say go for the Kansas. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, Billy, I tell you what, man. What are you doing, Billy? <laughs> Where are all these dollar bills coming from? Child. What are you thinking, child? Billy, why are you out here always rambling, doing your scams? Come down in here, sit in the kitchen, have some sweet tea. You ain't never gonna meet a man that prints money again, child. I'm always worried about your scheming and scheming and scamming. Why don't you just sit down and have some sweet tea? Shug, 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 what were you thinking? I'll make you a big old plate of cornbread, you just eat it and wear all your worries away, okay? 
On May 10th, 1935, he's arrested leaving his hotel and charged with counterfeiting. The federal agents that caught him, they said, you got to be the con artist, best con artist of all time. He said, well, it can't be too good. You guys got me. So uh, he had a key on him when they arrested him. It eventually turned out to be... It is the key to greatest treasure in all land. If you want, you give me $5,000, I draw you map to location of treasure. You have to wait 24 hours to take the first step. Map look invisible. Map look It's invisible ink. I tell you, you take a boat to Egypt. You sit by pyramid. You hold staff. It show you. It pinpoint. Sundial. It go. It, it, the ink appear again. You go down the river. It's a good time. Cub Scouts. Uh, you need a light bulb and a piece of paper. Do you have compass? <laughs> Do you have compass? The key ended up being to a central... Central Terminal train station locker in New York, where he had the counterfeit plates, the chemical compound, and 51,000 in counterfeit bills. Oh, fuck. So he was caught pretty dead. Yep. To rise. <laughs> okay, you got It was me. good, Ron. <laughs> arrest me, don't arrest me. I don't care. Yeah, that's it. He's trying to neg his way out, like, oh, you want to arrest me? Go ahead, arrest me if that's what you want to do. Oh, you want to arrest me? Okay. This, this isn't my key. This is Billy's key. Yeah. I totally don't even care if you arrest me. Look, I want you to arrest me. <laughs> Please arrest me. When I put him in prison, uh, he was in a federal detention center. He got real sick. And they transferred him to a medical unit. When he's in a medical unit. He was faking his heart attack again. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth, they come for me. I for real this time. This is a big one, I'm telling you. Really, this time actually dials the number and calls. I'm dying of broken heart. My Billy, she killed me. <laughs> and... and, and... <laughs> <laughs> which which year did you say this was? Uh, 1935. Okay, so he's 45 by now. All right. Oh, maybe you count. So while he's in this medical unit, he starts realizing, uh, he figures out how they count the sheets. So he's able to steal a sheet a day. And uh, he comes up with a... <laughs> a, a <laughs> Where is he keeping them? Yes, dude. Is he the pioneer of the fucking sheet rope and shit? <laughs> So he makes him a sheet rope that he fucking uh, breaks out of his medical center with, and he shimmies down this rope. But since he's shimmying down the rope, he's in New York. You know? I, thought so he's coming... sure, I thought for sure he's going to sell somebody a sheet. I thought that's what he was going to do. So at one point when he was uh, climbing down on the sheet, he looked super suspicious because people were just walking around the city. He pulled a rag out of his park- pocket and started pretending like he was washing the windows <laughs> on his way down to the yeah. ground and shit. Uh, Don't mind me. I just window washer. I hang from sheets. It's okay. Imagine just walking down the street looking over like, what? What the fuck is, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And he goes, oh, oh, no, nothing to see here. <laughs> just, that's fucking ridiculous. So he actually gets away clean. <laughs> and, uh, he runs from New York to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and those windows got to stay clean. But he was caught 27 days later in Pittsburgh. He <laughs> pled guilty and he was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison. The problem of being in the 30s. 
being convicted of a crime after an escape attempt is that on April 27, 1936, he was sent to Alcatraz, where he served in Alcatraz at the same time as Al Capone. Hey, I okay, know. I make both out of sheets. <laughs> hey, remember me? What are you doing here, old scoundrel? <laughs> he was in, uh, he ended up having to do most of his time. By December 1947, he had made 1,192 medical requests. <laughs> most of which were declined. Well, who's counting? I keep having a heart attack every day. I don't know, you tell me. Eventually, it became obvious he was really sick, and then he was transferred for the federal medical facility in Springfield, Missouri. And then he washed their windows. <laughs> he died in the Springfield, Missouri federal. He died in the federal Springfield. I can't say this. On March 11th, 1947, he died of pneumonia. And where did what? that happen? Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> the federal medical facility. Oh, <laughs> we made it through. His death certificate listed his occupation as an apprentice salesman. Yes. <laughs> apprentice salesman. That's amazing. I bet you if anything, he would... Man, he can't make full salesman. <laughs> He's got to be an apprentice. That motherfucker was a full salesman. Selling he was the CEO of salesman. Yeah. He was a salesman of salesman. He was selling fake shit. Count Victor is credited with writing Ten Commandments of Running a Con. These are Count Victor's Ten Commandments of How to Count Someone. So he's so good, he con con people into thinking he was Moses? Yep. Here's how you do it, bro. For the $1.95, you can know the secrets of the count. <laughs> so number he, he, he parted the Red Bank. Number one is be a patient listener. It is this not fast talking that gets a con man his coup. Never look bored. Wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. Rings true today. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, if you're trying to con somebody, for sure. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting the jab either, bro. <laughs> fuck yeah. I'm not getting the jab either. <laughs> this just reminds me of a... Uh... Yeah. <coughs> no, this reminds me of fucking uh, Wedding Crashers. Like, Rule 52. Never leave a crasher behind. Rule 53. Draw attention to yourself, but in a good way. Rule 42, never sulk in the corner. Stage 5 Biden supporter on the right. <laughs> Stage 5 Biden support. Rule 4, let the other person reveal religious views, then have the same ones. This is the weirdest of all of them. Hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other person shows a strong interest. So uh, flirt? I don't know what that means, but that was one of his rules. Yeah, just manipulating people, trying to get their... That's well, called no, grooming. No, I bet you that has to do... <laughs> right? Because it was sex talk. So that could be, like, don't be vulgar. Like, because this is back in the day where maybe you just didn't talk about like that sort of shit. Yeah. So you just sort of wait for them to, be, to decide, like, how vulgar you're going to be when you're discussing shit. Right, like, do I gotta make of, dirty jokes to fit in, yeah, or... A lot well, of yeah, these things person... are just, don't do anything controversial that will turn that guy off. Just sit quietly, let them do all the talking, and agree with them, and don't do anything to turn them off. That's like four of these commandments so far, <laughs> is just that. I mean, that's like a rule of etiquette, like that's not dinner talk. Just yeah. don't say anything that might turn them off. 
I got you. But if you think about it, I mean, even though they are similar, if you think about it, if you were to hit the jackpot back in that day of conservative, like everybody's religious, nobody shows anything but ankle and calf and like, say you hit the jackpot and somebody was like willing to talk about sex and they were atheist or had a different religion than Christianity or whatever. And like, and they were okay with fucking talking about sex and you found out they were cool to do some illegal shit then that was just like he said that was his green light to just eat that one up like okay well i know he's a mark for an illegal venture with me not somebody i gotta make up some like quote unquote straight money shit to be able to get his cash like this guy's willing to fucking do some illegal shit with me that's easy money right that's there. the easier scam yeah commandment number six pass him joint and say hey you cool, man? <laughs> well, and you got to figure, especially having work gone from both Europe and Paris, but also to the Midwest, which is kind of like the Bible Belt also. You know, you're in France. They're like, they got like anarchists and nihilists and you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking, you know, hippie free love and whatever. And then you go here to the, you know, Kansas and you better love Jesus. <laughs> and like you said, no ankles and stuff. So. Whichever world you got to float in. Next one was never discuss illness unless some special concern is shown. Never pry into a person's personal circumstances. They'll tell you all eventually. This Like this for real isn't even commandments of conning people. Like this is like dinner party etiquette. If someone has a wonky eye, do not stare and do not mention it. If don't. someone has an unpleasant odor, don't ask people who shit themselves. Don't say mole. Molly, 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 molly. If you have to go to the bathroom, do not say you have to hit the shitter. <laughs> I gotta drop my deuces. So, Women do not find a complimentary to say they have a nice turd cutter. The last three are never boast, just let your importance be quietly obvious. Never be untidy and never get drunk. Oh, we failed. Well, I mean, besides that last one, like those other two were just rules for life. Like, yeah, don't be <laughs> untidy and uh, don't be arrogant. So that's the story of Count Victor. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. That's it? <laughs> he died. That's the no. <laughs> he apprentice salesman. I thought he only. I was it. just joking. No. God, do yeah. you really want everybody to know I faked death? <laughs> now he's French. Now he's finally French. I've been trying to get onto the French part the whole fucking time. That was the con the whole time. He wasn't Czechoslovakian. Yeah. He was French this whole fucking time. Hello, I was born in a shack of stones. You give me back my life, and I won't <laughs> tell the devil that I conned you. <laughs> Put me back on the earth. Put me back on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... This motherfucker. So you guys haven't seen a picture yet, but if we were going to cast a movie about Count Victor, oh, who they, would you cast to play? They already did. Leo... Playing Catch Me If You Can. Right. <laughs> Frank Abagnale. That's who I was oh. picturing the whole time. But he was little. But he was at a, that was at smaller people time, too. Though. So 5'8". Well, I'm just saying 5'8", 145 in the 20s wasn't as small as it is now. I mean, that's not even... He's not your ray of, of Friver. I mean, 5'8 is average height, right? <laughs> What's that guy's name? Yeah. 
Uriah Faber? Yeah. <laughs> Uriah Faber's much smarter than that. Well, no, he weighs 145. You're right. Yeah, Good but pull. the fact that that was more average back in the day just means like whoever plays him just has to be an average right. size dude. That's what I'm saying. I mean, because this is just such a fucking... It's a comedy... But the dude's got to be smooth, be able to be a good talker. I mean, we haven't, yeah, we haven't seen a picture of him, but I'd assume he's oh, very good looking, like, to get all the ladies. Like... I was thinking someone like maybe Chris Pine. He does a lot of comedic stuff. He was in the first Horrible Bosses. Oh. He was the main bad guy in that one. He's been in some funny stuff. I was thinking Matthew McConaughey. He's he's sort of aged out. He's an well, older dude now. We didn't say right now he's going to do it. I mean, well, I mean, could. he died in forty-seven, so but he, you gotta he think, died at fifty-seven. To me, I'm thinking one. someone who's almost slapsticky enough to pull off. Do you see Matthew McConaughey hanging from sheets, fake washing a window? <laughs> yeah. That's that's like, funny because I, I was gonna say Steve Martin. See, because, that's that's what I'm because going something I, like this whole time. Like we, I know, but we've been doing funny. the silly accent, so I don't know yeah. if I've oh, like conditioned yeah. myself to think that it's somebody who's like. You know, like with a fit, with fucking like a a perfect mustache, like looking down at the fucking people yeah. while they're on while he's See, on the I'm, goddamn rope and shit. And, I was honestly thinking like someone like Leslie Nielsen. If Leslie Nielsen was Nielsen was still alive, he would be good. But yeah, I mean Steve Martin. Like I'm thinking that slapsticky way, but I'm thinking of someone who can be Bill Murray, but he's char- he's charmed as or he's aged out. But someone that's like he's better, charmed his way out too. Yeah, he's charmed his way <laughs> that, out. That mean '80s charm ain't working no more, man. But uh, no, like I'm thinking that goofy dude, but someone that's just real good looking. That's why I was thinking someone like Chris Pine, Chris Helmsworth. I think is too big of a dude. He couldn't do it. So going recent, I know it's a popular one. But I was gonna say uh, Ryan Reynolds because I oh, remember like yeah. the scar and like like the ladies loved him and he, I mean fuck at the beginning it sounded like he was charming male detectives and the way they were fucking describing him and shit. So, anyways, I feel like somebody who's like a smooth talker and like he would have to be like attractive. What so. about Justin Long? Yeah, he would be good. Yeah, I could see him do. I haven't seen Justin Long in anything in a while neither. He's snarky as fuck. He made a fake college. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe leave, but see, leave the, Schreiber. Maybe here's... leave Schreiber could pull that off because he's got kind of like an Eastern European look to him, right? Well, here's some pictures of Count Victor. So excited. Oh, Raul Wait. Julia? Fucking Christopher Lloyd. Ooh, the dad from Modern Family. Pat Dumphy. Phil Dumphy. Phil Dumphy. What'd you yeah, call him? Pat a... Dumphy. <laughs> but that dude. It's Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell. Yeah, that's who I see. He, we definitely miscalled it on the good-looking part. Oh, he must have been a very slick talker. Who's well, the, the guy one that... on the left? The one on the left. If they did a, if they did a movie when he was getting arrested and put away for the rest of his life and whatnot, Clark Gable could have pulled off the guy on the left uh, <laughs> a little bit. You know what I mean? From yeah. Period actors. The one on the right. That's why I said Christopher Lloyd cut his hair short. Maybe he had like that kind of Abe Bogota. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on this side, the guy from that's that scar on the right. I'm sorry, on the left side picture, but yeah. on the right side of his face, that's that scar you were talking about, huh? Yeah, that's a big the fucking guy scar. from the Hustler. Like, no, dude, put Craig. the fucking the guy from the Hustler. Oh, Paul Newman. Craig. Excuse me, photographer, could you please put my shadow on the side of my cheek with the fucking scar? <laughs> well, I mean, or maybe that's a police uh, photo or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think mug it's shot. a mugshot because yeah. it got the numbers. Right, so you don't get to pick you your know, lighting the, in fucking mugshots. The game show, The Hustler. Oh, uh, Craig Ferguson. Yeah. Because he's funny too. 
And he's a charmer. Like, that's his main yeah. thing, like, always charming the ladies. So here's a look at one of his prison records. So you see this up here, like, but this whole top section, this is all his aliases. For the listeners, like, all those names, it's like a full paragraph. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, a brief summary of his crimes. That is not, like, the name section of the form. That's a full-on fucking novel. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. So standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. On the Bad Guy Podcast, there's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray, who's your drug-dealing, kidnapping bank robber. And at one, you have the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and are killing people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Count Victor? Can we go six? Who wants? <laughs> yeah. Can he, like, trump yeah. Lee Murray? Because he didn't mug anyone. He, he I mean, he definitely, was... but he definitely ripped a lot of people off. But he didn't hurt anybody. I mean, it depends what you say. Like, the one dude, the one dude that I really feel bad for is the scrapper guy. Andre? He, yeah, because that shut down his business. Like, that was his whole livelihood. You like, that fucked everything did. up. I feel bad for that guy. You live, you learn. <laughs> but just... <laughs> if his wife can forgive him, Andre yeah. can forgive yeah. him. No, I mean, he's definitely a bad guy, but, like, he fucked a lot of people over. I mean, he's definitely a five. He's still a <laughs> dick, though. This is my line of thought on it. We live in a day and age where... Is this guy even around still... Madoff or whatever. Madoff. Madoff. Is that guy still, is he still alive? So I I think think so. If he is and he's still in the clink, (laughs) he's currently done more time than some people have for killing a person. Mm -hmm. Because after you get to a certain number level, I don't know if we've, if if I've either been too drunk to pay attention on the episode before (laughs) and we've covered somebody who's possibly reached into the dollar amount or like for a minute there, they were investigating this dude for possibly being able to manipulate our fucking economy so i'm saying he's like made off level so i want to give him a four long story long though i gotta come back on a five but i mean it's (laughs) it's a fucking struggle five because just because of the sheer amount of scams that he pulled off all right so we're gonna call that a unanimous defcon five that's right it's going to the streets hey y'all it's revolution up in this bitch Set the alarm, DEFCON 5! We're going to do some listener feedback. We got an email from Lloyd. I don't know where he's from. Lloyd! It says, uh, just wanted to thank you guys and Gail for making my hour... Ooh, little little old you. (laughs) Well, hey, Lloyd. Thank you for making my hour-long drive twice a day to and from work bearable. You guys are hilarious. Always such a vivid storytelling and commentary. It's like I'm watching the movie about the bad guy. That's that vivid storytelling. That's me. I'm telling the vivid stories, motherfucker. I've been working on it. You know, I'm getting better. Sometimes when I listen to your talk, I'm like, God damn, it's so vivid. (laughs) See that shit, bro. It's so smooth and vivid. I don't even be stuttering and shit. If they were going to make an effort. (laughs) 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 That's an editing. (laughs) If only you knew all the all rights that hit the uh, fucking cutting room floor. He sent a recommendation that I'm not going to read that we're going to try and cover. like a. Oh, know. so we can't Google it? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's disappointing is he ended it with, he said, do you need more DEFCON 1s? 
And this is at the Evna episode where he just, <laughs> we just hit another a... DEFCON 5. <laughs> like a guy that just bullshitted his way through. Five, possibly five six. Yeah. I don't know. When we did the math, they were all pretty even. How yeah. many ones did we wind up with? Yeah, it was about equal across the board. Yeah. You know, maybe one was a little higher. And yeah, that, Lloyd. <laughs> well, and that's what it is, is it doesn't seem like a lot, but I try and mix them all in. Probably it, anything uh, worse than a one would be like serial killer. Well, he wanted just more ones, like more often. like And, and I get that, you know, everybody loves the hits. <laughs> to be honest, like compared to a lot of people, like a lot of the ones we give threes and shits, we're still kind of one. We're like, still bad still guys, but shit. we're just assholes, and we're just like, I don't know. I mean, I would kind of want to kill that guy too. So, <laughs> just like Lloyd said, though, if man, if any of the listeners out there send us your feedback on, I mean, if you feel like we messed up a DefCon rating, at least me personally, I would love to know. So, thanks, Lloyd. If if uh, as as long as you you know. If you're agreeing that we've covered some ones and you agree that they're ones or maybe even if you disagree that they're twos and maybe we should have made them ones or just like you said, if you'd rather us just cover some worse dudes, Ben, that's that's great feedback and I, you know, I like it. So, yeah, if you think, thank you. If you think we should change the scale and get Lee Murray out of there and put this guy in his place, let us know. <laughs> we can do that. Beat it, Lee Murray. Nobody wants you around. <laughs> Another guy we got is uh, Leonardo. I hit us up on Instagram, and he uh, he listens to us. He works. He says long, boring, twelve-hour night shifts. And he said, by the way, more Mexican bad guys would be nice. Mm. That's fair enough. We actually only covered one, I think, Chavez, and that was a long time ago. So, did he mention me at all? Nope. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no. It's really because of those <laughs> Mexican five hundred today. <laughs> But yeah, we appreciate the listener support and the feedback, so hit us up or email us or whatever. Send us more emails about me. Emails, uh, <laughs> say hello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. Oh yeah, we're going to do another series, so this is going to be part one of our con man series. So that makes it even worse. He said, do some DEF CON 1s, and we're going to do like <laughs> a whole series of people that are just like bullshitting. Ooh, you know what we should do? Do a different set of if we're doing a whole con man thing where we're not gonna be there's not a whole lot of bodies and shit should almost do a of a fucking uh, defcon like skewed defcon like con man defcon. Are you talking oh. about a defcon con scale? Like a a defcon man. Defcon scale. Like a spinoff. Yeah, like because like how bad are their cons? Like his Ooh. biggest con is like or how he, big? Or... Yeah, he almost fucked up. Like you said, almost made him a four. Mm. Was he almost fucked up the whole economy sort of shit? So where does that go on the con man scale? Because of I all the con men, say number one. No. Ooh. <laughs> Scrapping Ooh. international monuments. Lloyd, here comes the one. Let us know, Lloyd. Ooh. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a. We'll just make the guys we want to talk about be ones. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> right, that's the American way. Well, that's the like the 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 uh, recent way. Just just alter the scale, man. If you don't like the data, you know, just change the fucking me, measurement. Give me five thousand dollars. We make a Victor one right now. <laughs> hey, for you, Lloyd. You know what? He's a one. Fuck it. Yep, Lloyd. Just for you, this dude's a numero uno. Hit the scale. Hit the button. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> That's the DEFCON 1 noise. You got it, Lloyd. That, that boop boop was for you. All right. Flush the bombers, get the subs in launch mode. We are at DEFCON 1. All right. Well, this is say hello to the bad guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening.
Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Be dad, spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on the raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And, and I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Ay, ay. So, out of money, grabbed a hundred hams. So, out of money, grabbed a bunch of bands. And I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge, I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Still keep it on me, run into your big homie for you meet your dead homie, ay. yeah. Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. the good guy coming last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy.